All right, y'all, we are back for part two. Thank you so much to everyone who listened to part one. Um, Part two is also going to be picking up where we carried off. Um, It is just as long right as I thought I was about to end the episode. Uh, If you haven't listened to this one uh, on wherever you found part two, you can find part one. This is part two. Um, On this one, we're going to be talking more specifically about auditioning. It's something that people in acting don't talk as much about. Um, and it is challenging. We talk about social media and, uh, Maggie really wasn't on social media before, uh, all of the stuff with Resident Evil started. It wasn't that she hated it. It just, you know, it just wasn't something she was on a lot and how her relationship to social media has changed. Um, I, which I think is really interesting people coming around to social and how she's really fallen in love with this community that has surrounded her. And we also talk about mental health, how she fills herself back up because a lot is needed of her. And, um, she really has had to make a special effort for that. Um, we also talk about Lady D, the reaction to her. We talk about more about motion capture. Um, I don't know if, if you're interested in acting or if you know someone who is, I think these are great episodes to send to them. We've been doing it for a while and, uh, I don't know. I think it's fun. I also think it's just fun to listen to people talk about something they care about. Um, I've listened to different podcasts with directors, writers, uh, film critics, (laughs) a lot of uh, industry stuff, but also like doctors, just people talking about what they do, I think is fun. Uh, Please do not forget to give this five stars and uh, yeah, share it. Share it right now. Share it on your Instagram. Share it on your something. Send it to a friend. Um, I know there are so many people out there that love listening to Maggie's stuff, and I think this is a great interview. Um, Okay, I'm going to do a great job. Thank you guys so much for coming back for part two, and um, let's listen to part two. Um, So for a motion capture audition, and when it's not your voice, it's not your face, how do you audition for that? Is that a self-tape or... That it can like be a hard self tape. Yeah, they're hard, especially for me. They typically want it to be full body. The whole mm-hmm. point, it's so different than on camera where you just need to see this. They need to see your whole body because they're trying to gauge how you physically express yourself and mm-hmm. create an environment with your body. So they need to see it. So that's kind of the main trick is mm-hmm. finding a space where you have a the ability to move around and the the ability to use your body fully. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And everyone is different because there are so many different types of gigs in motion capture, but the ones that I've gone out for have oftentimes given me very specific directions of -hmm. what they're looking for. Um, and a lot of it is going to be stuff where they give you an environment and see and say, create an interaction given these circumstances, Mm -hmm. or if they're, if you're auditioning for a specific character, maybe they will have you for performance capture. Maybe they Mm -hmm. will give you a scene and you record it as if it's a self tape, but maybe have a wider frame on it so that they can see more of what you're bringing physically to the character. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there's no one right way to do it because it's all across the board. Um, but yeah, it's definitely weird and bizarre. If you have any special skills or, you know, stunt work, 
just keep adding to your collection of weird special skills, even if it's not fighting. You know, I've used my guitar playing in a motion capture thing. I've used boxing mm-hmm. in a motion capture thing. I've used um, acting like a cat in a motion capture thing. You mm-hmm. know, it's all across the board. Animal work is huge. Keep studying your animals. Have you booked, have you booked animal work before? Not playing an animal, but you know, all of that is what feeds into character creation, physical yeah. character creation. So yeah. for sure used that. Um, oh, what was going to, oh, okay. Audition horror story, please. Um, this is kind of a weird one. My very first audition after college, when I moved back to Washington, DC slash Virginia to do theater in DC, I had an audition. I had this monologue that I did and there's always so much stress around finding the perfect monologue and so I found much this stress. monologue that I thought, you know, could highlight the fact that I'm a singer but also that I do this and do that and blah 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 blah, blah and can be funny and dramatic and da, 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 da. and I performed this mon- well first of all I open the door and I walk in and they're like, "Oh, you're new" because it's such a small community and I was like, "Yes." just got here. Cool. Um, and then I do this monologue and afterwards he kind of sits there in silence for a minute. And then he's like, "Uh uh-huh. I think that was masturbatory without intending to be masturbatory. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to go become a shell. person." And, um, Um, Masturbatory acting is actually something we used to throw around a lot in drama school. And let us elaborate. Um, It's when the actor is getting a lot of enjoyment from doing the performance, but it's doing nothing for the audience. It's often sometimes you're seeing an actor like gnash their teeth and cry and scream, but it doesn't have a lot of truth to it. So the actor is going, oh, my gosh. I'm crying and screaming and I'm going to scratch myself so hard. There's going to be blood, you know, and mm-hmm. the audience is like, ew, gross. What? We, we're here to see like, you know, I don't know, Oklahoma, like leave me alone. Scary. <laughs> that is an absolutely devastating thing. I am validating yeah. that experience, Maggie. I'm really yeah. sorry. This is pre Lambda, you guys. So, you know, But honestly, I do think that is maybe one of the harshest things anyone can tell you. It's kind of like just telling someone that they smell and they're just like, oh God, like you can't really, now you just smell. Um, Okay. I also think like all these drama programs, they teach you what to do once you book the role, but they don't teach you how to audition. And so that was one of those clear moments where I was like, nobody told me what to do. No one told me how to do this. Nobody tells you how to do that. Yeah. And also, I mean, we have like, you know, master's degrees or whatever. And if anyone asked me what monologue they should do, I could help you find a Shakespeare one just because that's easier and you're looking in a confined space. But like, I have no idea. Like I've done monologues. I have one go-to from Peter and the Starcatcher that I'll throw out there. Um, but it's still, it's so hard. Um, I often will take scenes Mm -hmm. if they're contemporary. I, uh, I've done that with Shakespeare too, actually. I will take a scene and I will make it into a monologue because oftentimes I find monologues 
boring unless they're Shakespeare, but mm-hmm. they can be boring. They're hard to act. And anyways, yeah, I think Penny once gave a great note. That was our, the head of our program. Um, I've gotten the critique about the podcast that I refer to things and I don't explain it. And so, but it sounds like you don't expect anyone to listen. <laughs> oh, ow. so anyways, exposition, Penny was the head of our program. And she said, um, hot tip for monologues. No one usually, usually plans on monologuing. It's uh, they can't complete a sentence. And so that's why they keep talking or they expect for a response. And there isn't a response, but no one usually goes, I am now going to talk for, I don't know, seven sentences. Um, it, it's yeah. So true. And it's also very helpful if you are, you have to keep the other person in your brain. You're not just acting by yourself in a vacuum at a wall, mm-hmm. that other person, their lack of response is a response. Yes. And then you're reacting to that. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Can, can we talk about the reaction to lady D and um, I love that it's Lady D because it's like Lady M and she does remind yeah. me of Lady M. That's cute. She's um, very Shakespearean. She's so she's very Shakespearean. It's like, it's like Shakespeare, but it also seems very camp and very like Sunset Boulevard and just like a Campy you know? horror Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it how people are like, I don't like Shakespeare. It's like so old fashioned. And I'm like, you silly goose. You and do though. <laughs> you do though. You just don't know that. You're just um, getting it in all these different forms now. You just don't know it. So when did you know that there was going to be a response to Lady D in the way that it did? Lady D started to go viral maybe around January of 2021. Yeah, it sounds right. It came out in May 2021. So yes, that sounds correct. So she went viral they released a trailer that had her image in it. And then the internet blew up. Mm-hmm. And what's unique about it is that this video game permeate, this video game character permeated pop culture. We were seeing her wow. pop up like Domino's Malaysia did a pizza ad with Lady D or- uh, Are you allowed to do that? Who knows, but Mike made a grade. I don't know. Okay, okay. Um, but you know, you were just seeing her in all of these different mediums and there would be posts like newspapers referencing this character and the storm that she has caused. Um, so that was pretty surreal. And I think I said this before, but you know, I knew that Resident Evil, the game was, I knew that Village would be a big deal game because Resident Evil is a big deal franchise, mm-hmm. but I didn't think the focus of the attention would be on my character. So that was a complete surprise Um, and also kind of anxiety inducing opening weekend. I am pretty sure I had a panic attack because it was so overwhelming and so many notifications coming on my phone. I had to turn it off because it was nonstop buzzing and just also so much. You felt the mounting pressure. I think because she went viral, 
I knew that there was going to be a huge expectation once the game came out of, is this character going to live up to the viral sensation? And I knew that all of that attention on the character was now going to be focused on me. And as we said before, I don't really like having attention on me. I like having attention on the characters that I play, but this was the first time that something I had done would, would come back to me to have the focus on me. Because when you do theater, you do your, show and maybe you greet people afterwards at the door, but then you go home and you live your life. And once the show is over, it's over and it doesn't really live on. Mm -hmm. People can't find your performance 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. They, what, you know, it's just as much smaller pool. You're a big fish in a very small pool. And now all of a sudden I was a big fish in a big pool and my, you know, my social media blew up overnight. I'm not big on social medias and I'm a very private person. So then it felt very vulnerable and exposing. I went from being invisible to incredibly visible. I was a nobody. And then I was a somebody. And so I just had all, I felt all that pressure that I would have to become this person and be the person that people wanted me to be and hope that my performance was good enough. Once the game came out, that people would like it. And it, it, still like the character and not have it be this massive letdown. And I'm probably going to make a comparison that is made all the time. But you know, when Harry Styles was in Dunkirk and everybody was like, oh my gosh, Harry Styles is going to be in Dunkirk. And everybody knows that he was like in the trailer. And then everyone's going, going to go, huh, wonder if Harry Styles, and it's so weird because it wasn't that you were famous before, but it is a similar thing that your character it's almost like you were noticed and then it's like I wonder if she's going to be any good and then you're like well you have no reason to know if I'm fair like kind of like how dare you hold me to the standard of being good there's no reason like you know just crazy expectations and you just hope well that it's enough you're enough um it obviously obviously was but I mean part of me when I saw it was blowing up I was like I honestly think besides that like you're amazing and wonderful and of course I'm so glad it like happened but also you uh, were more grounded than me I'll compare you to me um I don't want to say the rest of the class but also like social media like you weren't really all over like you didn't you weren't always trying to post so I think like social media you don't seem to care about it as much so I was like that's good you are very grounded you know who you are you're all you also weren't 18 you know so like you understood like whoa cool but you weren't like, oh, am I amazing? Like, or like self-doubting, like you already were grounded in training and who you were before. Almost you could like buy your own hype or whatever. I do think that is one of the greatest things that Lambda gave me is that I came out of it feeling very confident and secure in myself as an artist, feeling like I was worthy to be in the room. Mm. And then, so when I moved to LA, I booked a number of things kind of when I first moved out here. And I think that it's because I came out from a place of strength and not need. Mm -hmm. And then it was interesting because then I felt like the longer I was in LA, the more I kind of lost that thread 
and felt, you know, you feel the pressure of the LA thing of, okay, but I haven't booked. Okay. But I haven't booked. Okay. But I haven't booked. Okay. I can't get an agent. Okay. And I haven't booked and I can't get an agent and I haven't booked and nobody wants to hire me and da, 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 da. And then you're seeing all everyone else audition for pilots and you can't get an audition for a non-union indie, you know? So then all of that starts to build and build and build. And then, and then that goes back to what I was talking about earlier, that irony of I booked this amazing gig, but then in the two-year gap before I could actually capitalize on the success of this gig, of booking this gig, I was left in that limbo of doubt of, did that actually happen? Will that actually ever do me any good? Or will I just be stuck as a beginning actor for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's such an interesting thing. And I do think that my age helped me both in grad school and after grad school that I had already done a lot of like growth and self-development beforehand. And then by the time I came out, I was like, no, I do know who I am. I know the kind of roles I want to play. I don't have to do a lot of people move to LA fresh out of college or fresh out of high school or fresh out of whatever, and have to do all of that learning and growth when they first arrive. And I did that already so that when I got here, I was able to really tailor and I knew exactly the auditions when I saw the breakdowns, I knew exactly which ones were the ones for me. And I didn't have to audition for everything. I just had to auditions for the ones that I knew I was right for. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's all hard. It's all hard. And the social media thing, you're right. You know, I wasn't super into it, but that's been definitely a big adjustment. I had to do a lot of leveling up really, really quickly, mm-hmm. which is exciting, but also really challenging and intimidating. And again, you're just like, I hope that I can do this. I don't know if I can do this, but I hope that I can. Um, cause it was a lot of demand. I mean, when the game first came out, I'll just tell you my schedule. I woke up at 7.00 AM to continue to do my side hustle job because again, hi guys, we're actors. We have side hustles. We can't make mm-hmm. our whole living on acting when you're first starting out. Yeah. And so I would wake up at 7 a.m. I would maybe send a few emails or do some work that I needed to do before I left for my side hustle job. And then I'd go off and do that. And I'd come straight back home. Maybe I'd have lunch, but maybe I would just launch straight into interviews that I had going on for, um, after release. And then I would end the interviews around 6 PM and check my email and see what auditions I had to do that were due the next day. And then I'd stay up until 1 AM and I'd finish those auditions. And then I would wake up at 7 AM and I would do the whole thing over and over again. So that was my, the first couple of months after the game was released, that was my schedule. And so it was an interesting thing where I was having all of this success, but I was unable to enjoy any of it because I was so maxed out and I was just in survival mode. I was just trying to get through the day and get it all done. (laughs) That was my only objective. If I managed to eat something, that was great. Mm -hmm. If I managed to sleep a little bit, that was great. (laughs) Um, And the social media as well. Now, I think I've had to change my attitude about that. It's not, it is a part of my job. So I have to dedicate myself to it as a part of my job. It's not just a fun thing. It's work. Social media is work. Um, So once I changed my attitude, I had a lot of resistance to social media of feeling resentful that now all of a sudden, because of this increase in fame, I was having to be on it more and be more accessible. Um, And so I kind of resisted that for a long time, but now I'm enjoying it. 
now that I've been able to flip the narrative and come at it from a place of like, oh no, I'm just going to set my schedule. I have this amount of time today that I'm going to look at social media and engage and come up with posts that I want to do and make it fun for me. I had to find my way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but but yeah, it's just a lot of change. Everything in my life changed overnight. And so all of that is just a lot of hard work and adjustment and yeah. And so when something you said, I thought that was interesting is like, not just like, will the performance live up to the hype, but like, will I be just as Maggie, will I be what people want me to be, you know, cause so much attention, like uh, it's, it's like, it's cool, but it's weird. Cause I was like looking through YouTube and there are just thousands of views of just you like swearing, like Maggie swearing. That's <laughs> funny. And I was just, there's just clips and you're like, fuck that or like shit, you know and it's just these clips so it's like it's you you know it's like yeah. also like they fell in love with lady d but now there's like this now i too. have become a personality and a figure and yeah. a role model and that's all very disconcerting too when uh, the you know imposter syndrome i you you always feel like oh my god why would anyone look up to me Why would anyone care about anything that I have to say or want to remember things that I have to say? How on earth could I make someone's day better just by liking a post that they left on my wall or something Mm -hmm. like that? And so I had to get over that too. I think I had resistance to that of like, no, 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 you can't possibly, no, that's not real. Mm -hmm. You need, you shouldn't, you shouldn't follow me. You shouldn't like me. You shouldn't put, (laughs) you shouldn't attribute, you shouldn't put that much weight on the things that I say, because I'm a human being just like you. I am in the mud with you trying to figure out this thing called life. Yeah. Um, so that it was, it was definitely bizarre to then kind of overnight become a person that people look to for advice and for guidance and for hope and community. And now that's become one of the things that I really value and cherish about it, especially Mm -hmm. the LGBT plus community has, I, I am so grateful that this character has allowed me to create a safe space for these communities because I love them. And so if that's a little bit of good that I get to leave out into the world, then I'm really happy about that. And but yeah, but with that can come a lot of pressure to always be perfect yeah. and we're not, Yeah, we're, and, it, we're, and we are imperfect by nature. Also, like, maybe you don't think about this, but it's almost like, I think like, like the, the, the meme from Mean Girls, it's kind of like, it's unlimited. Like so many people, if you just like went through the DMs and like started a conversation, started a conversation, like so many people would be like, oh my gosh, so excited, so excited. And then you're like, I could keep going forever, but there's not enough of me to like have this conversation. So hopefully guys, sorry, I get to have it and you don't, but hopefully you're <laughs> like in like living through the, you know, like hopefully, you know, um, but, yeah. but like, you don't have time to talk to every single person who would have loved to do that. Does that like mm-hmm. overwhelm you? Oh Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Like I, I, you have to be very precious with your resource, you being the resource, the resource is me, the resource is you. And then you have to be very precious around how much you give away. And so I think at first I was giving away a lot and then I didn't have anything left for me. 
And so you just have to know your limits. And then in the end, if you give it all away, you are doing them even more of a disservice because then you have nothing left to give in the future. Mm -hmm. So knowing your limits, setting your boundaries, protecting yourself. If you, it's really, it really is the, you have to put your mask on before you can help others. What is that thing in the planes? Uh, if the oxygen mask come down, you have to put your mask on before you can help assist others. And you really yes. do have to do that. You have to take care of yourself first so that then your uh, pool is full. Yeah. Well, your well is full your, and then you tank. can give them to others. Your tank, your tank is full. We love a tank. Um, we love a tank. <laughs> so what is, um, what do you do? So that's like kind of the ethos of like the search for pink was like mental health and like finding something positive, but not in like a chuggy way, but just like, okay, this was good today. And I am going to cling on to the fact that this was good. And that was a method with my mental health I had to use to get through it. What is something that you've used like a simple tactile thing? (laughs) Uh, This is still, I love this question. And also I'm still figuring it out. Like this is all new stuff for me too, where I am now having to put in the infrastructure to support this new leveled up um, lifestyle that I'm living career-wise. And yeah, so it's all still in process, still in a state of flux. I nowadays, meaning like recently in the past couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. I am setting alarms on my phone. I have alarms that go off and I live my life by alarms. So I remember to eat when my alarm goes off at noon, because sometimes I forget to do that and it's bad. Mm -hmm. Um, so when my alarm goes off at noon, it's like, Oh, this is lunchtime Maggie. And then my alarm goes off at 1230. That's like, okay, now you can get back to work. And then I have alarm that goes off at three that tells me now it's break time. You need to stop what you're doing. And if you haven't taken a break, you need to take a break. Yeah. So I can deviate as I wish, but those are just reminders in case I am so locked in and focused. I have a bit of an obsessive personality, I think. So I can really laser in and then everything else gets tuned out around me, including my own physical needs. Like I remember there was one time where I'm like sitting at my desk, taking care of emails and sending this and doing that and blah, 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 blah. And then like five hours later, I wait, I come up for air and I'm like, oh my God, I really have to go to the bathroom. I don't think I went to the bathroom once today. I don't think I got up from this chair once. I didn't eat. I didn't go to the bathroom. I didn't take a break. Mm-hmm. What am I doing? So I'm, I'm living my life by alarms. I am also now starting a practice of gratitude, even though that makes me sound really, um, makes me want to roll my eyes at myself, but I know that a lot of people are super into it, but I am learning to be comfortable, allowing myself to be into Mm. practices like gratitude and manifestation and self-care because I'm naturally not a person who is super into that. I don't naturally ascribe to that. I have been a very cynical person my entire life. And so now I'm having to kind of rewire to be like, no, you can take a minute Mm -hmm. to self-care and you can take a minute to journal about what you're grateful for today. So I'll set an intention the night before. Um, I'll kind of review my day, think about what was good and set an intention for what I want to happen the next day. And then when I wake up in the morning, I can go back and look at what the intention was I wanted to have for today. For today, my intention was a sense of ease. And Mm. uh, then I can go about my day thinking about how can I, how can I, how can I, 
um, foster a sense of ease about my day. I love that. I love the intention of the day and like setting it before, because I I often create to-do lists the night before because of my anxiety, um, which, what was it that I texted you, Maggie? I had a nightmare. I had a really bad nightmare that I was going to email your manager and say, can we push it back an hour? And she was just going to be like, no. And then everything was, so in my dream, I kept like typing out the email. I'm like, unfortunately, because, and then I would repeat the email because, yeah. Anyways, I, I, I love that. BT Dubs, I'm going to text you something real fast. Because if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble. Um, Uh, BT Dubs, uh making your experience about me, I mentioned to a coworker once. Somehow, well, I mentioned to a friend. I was like, I'm so proud of my friend, Maggie. She booked this. And her name is Lady Dude. Oh, well. And my friend was like, yeah, she was like, wait, that's like a lesbian icon on TikTok right now. And it was at the beginning. And I was like, no, yeah, Maggie's a lesbian icon, of course. And then I just like kept going. And then it came up at work somehow. And I was like, yeah, like my friend and my coworker is a trans woman. And she burst into tears and she went into the back room and she just like wouldn't come out. And I had a long line of customers, Maggie, like, I'm sorry, like I needed help. And she just, she eventually came out and then that coworker told another coworker, And I said, isn't that great? My friend Maggie is such a nice person and she deserves all the success in the world. And then my friend yelled back at me some explicit things that she was like, I don't care if she's a good person. And then she like said some stuff and I was like, that makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't really like that you said that about my friend. (laughs) Um, Oh, interesting. But these are only my experiences and I get yelled at aggressively. Nobody really goes, oh, oh, she sounds like a lovely girl. <laughs> like, how wonderful. Everyone's reactions are always just like, and I don't like it. And I feel like yours might be similar to my experience, except maybe a little bit more intense. Oh, wait, I've got a message. While you answer, I'm texting you this thing. Okay. Yeah, and I think all of that just speaks to the stakes are so high. The stakes are so high with this character because she means so much to people. So then, you know, I knew that going in mm-hmm. before it was released that the stakes were just super duper high and she really does mean a lot and affects people. I think that's what I wasn't yeah. really expecting. The fact that this character could have an effect on people, but also that I, as an extension of this character could have a really visceral and immediate effect on people around the world. Also the it's global, man. I mean, the scope of it all is just so huge. It's bananas. Why do you think, what do you think it is? Oh, wait, I have a quick question. Do you believe me or not believe me that I didn't know what a MILF was? I believe you. I, yeah, I didn't know what a MILF was. I had to Google it. Everyone's like, yeah, she's like the MILF. And I was like, what's that? And, uh, yep. So surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I I didn't know what that was, but I have also learned a lot on the internet. Oh my God. (laughs) Internet is scary. Golly. It's the wild, wild west out there. (laughs) So what do you think it is about lady D that people connect to? 
I think that she is a character that we have never really seen in video games before. And what's exciting about that is, you know, we're seeing this push for diversity and diversification in our media. And this character is unlike anything we've ever seen before. And she's obviously not the end all and be all of what diversity should mean on screen. But I think that the instant intrigue and reaction and excitement around this character proves that audiences want to see things that are different. We're Mm -hmm. ready for different characters. We're ready for new and exciting stories. And that's what's so exciting about her. I think character wise, um, she literally and figuratively sticks out in every way and doesn't fit in anywhere but is still so staunchly and unapologetically herself and Mm -hmm. never, she never makes excuses. She never apologizes for who she is. She in fact expects everyone else to adjust for her rather than the other way around. And so I think for communities who feel like they don't have acceptance anywhere, that it's so inspiring to see someone who is creating that for herself and creating her own family, her chosen family. She has her daughters that she's intensely and fiercely loyal to. And also she's gorgeous. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, I totally get it. She is sexy. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's such an interesting thing that you, this is one of those things that it is you like it's you more than you did the voice of a rabbit, but it's, it's not completely you being seen on screen. And it's this weird in between where you still kind of, you can look at her and you're like, yeah, look at her. And it, it is kind of this like separate thing. Can we like break news? Is there going to be a lady D video game or something? Can hear no clue. No. You will probably know when I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I love that. Okay. So I'm going to do, have you received a video from me? I have received a video. Okay. Don't play it. Cause there's, there's a beginning. Um, okay. So first just want you to listen to this. Hey Maggie and Rebecca, it's Denise. I hope you're well. I hope you have a beautiful conversation. Congrats on everything you've been up to. And I hope I see you both in person soon. Okay. Now play the video. Because oh I just God. had his audio. That's adorable. Hi, darling. I wanted to record this video just to say how proud I am of all of your success and how happy I am to see that you're accomplishing your dreams. Lots of love and miss you tons. What up, Maggie? Just here giving you a big shout out and a big congratulations. Oh my God. It's awesome. I'm a big fan. And uh, don't forget to keep breathing. It's the most important thing. <laughs> Hello, Maggie. You gracious and graceful giraffe. Rebecca, I'm I am crying. So this is so it sweet. Is so incredible to see you getting the recognition you truly, truly deserve. Your work is amazing, and I love you, and I miss you. Oh, hey, sailor. Or should I say, the sex symbol of the 2020s? My favorite thing that's happened in the past two years. I'm not kidding. Um, hello. Long time. Congratulations, Maggie. It is so, so exciting. Uh, not just to see someone from our class like succeeding so much, but specifically to see you, the person with the most beautiful voice on the face of the planet being recognized for voice work. I am so, so proud of you. 
I haven't played the game because I'm too afraid, not gonna lie. I'm a giant scaredy cat, but I have made all of my friends play it. I have sat on the on the couch and covered my face while they have played it so that I can revel in the glory of your skill without crapping my pants. Let's be without- real. Um, but yeah, I'm so proud of you and everything you've accomplished and I can't wait to see where it goes. Can't wait for this episode of Rebecca's podcast. I hope you guys have a lovely conversation and hopefully see you soon. Hey Max, just wanted to say I love you and I'm so proud of you and happy for you and all of your success. Love the game, was very afraid and I'm so excited to hear you on the podcast. Hello, my beautiful friend. I love you and I miss you and I'm so proud of you. Nobody has changed. I'm so proud of you and I miss you and I love you and I miss you and I'm so proud of you and I miss you and I'm so proud of you and I love you. Um, congratulations. I'm so proud of you and I miss you. It's so, so much. fun to see everyone's faces again. If anyone was going to win the video game Oscars, it would be you and it would be for a very sexy vampire lady. So good job, but I'm not surprised. You're incredible, and I love you so much. Um, and then Corey didn't have time to film because, guys, he's in uh, the cursed child in what is it, San Francisco? There was a COVID outbreak, and he's uh, in a swing, so he's working very hard. But he said he's ecstatic and proud. We're so proud of him. We and are. We. I was we are like, a bunch I, of I Harry Potter nerds, so we are so proud of him. And Maggie is a Slytherin. I'm a Hufflepuff, if no one's guessed. I wanted him to like do the video next to Slytherin stuff, but it didn't happen. Then oh Kevin Ryan says, Hey, Magbart, um, I am so happy and <laughs> proud of the work you're accomplishing. You're one of the hardest working artists I know, and everything you have coming to you is definitely earned through your determination with pushing yourself in boundaries of art. You deserve all the success, and to put it simply, you're amazing. Love you. May your career grow and expand and further in your lifetime. XOXO smooches, k Smooches. <laughs> smooches. That isn't his accent. accent. Yeah, no, I mean, I can do a Southern accent. It's not, it's not, it's not his though, guys. It's not mm-hmm. as, his is so beautiful. Anyways, I, mm-hmm. I just wanted, I was like, if I was Maggie, would I like this? And I'm like, yeah. So I really liked it. yeah, I really, really liked it. That was so sweet and so special. Thank you for doing that. And thank you to all of our glorious, beautiful Lambda babies for taking the time to do a video. I am overwhelmed with gratitude and love. And also like, oh God, you're all so attractive. What? It was kind of like, oh, it's yes. so upsetting. Like, oh, stop being so beautiful. It was kind of funny that like, um, you know, Alejandro is not, not everyone's beautiful, but I would, cause he was kind of like brother, you know, by the <laughs> end of it. And, and then sometimes I would be out in public and watch people like, like have a visceral, like he's been in, um, soap operas in Mexico city and he's over six foot and he's gorgeous. And then people would have like this physical reaction to him. And I'm like, oh yeah, is, is like an Adonis. I forgot. <laughs> yes. Truly we did, Adonis. <laughs> we became very numb to beauty, which was probably for the best because everyone yeah. was so attractive. Do you have anything you want to tell the people, the people of the world? Spice up your life. Mm, mm, every boy, mm. every girl, spice up your life. People mm. of the world, spice up your life. Ah. <laughs> That's honestly, life. if anyone comes away with one thing, 
forget everything else we've said. Just spice up your freaking life. Um, I adore you. I adore you. I adore you you so much. They ever do mocap in Atlanta? Yeah. Do it. Come. Oh, no. I was going to, I was about to say like, you do it. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I could take, I've never heard of a a class in town, but I always could. I forget if there's a big studio there. I've never forget. This is also where it's like, oh no, you're clearly at the beginning stage. You just learned how to do mocap. Yeah. No, Um, but I'm sure I feel like there must be. And also all of these big studios now are moving their big mocap stages to different areas outside of LA because it's cheaper. So much cheaper. Yeah. So yeah. And then also for you, because you are more petite, but similar for me, the two extremes of our height ranges you can get a lot of work because they need people for scale. Mm-hmm. You can be the children and I can be the adult. Mm-hmm. I was about it's to say- easier for them to make those character scale frame thingies. These are terms. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll look into it. Honestly, like I, none of my friends have ever even mentioned it, but I will do anything at this point, but, um, we do some recon. Yeah. Figure out what's happening. I know that the mocap vault, which is a place that I took classes with, they don't currently have anything in Atlanta, but I think that they sometimes will travel to Atlanta to do like a one weekend workshop. workshop. Yeah, no, I, I should check it out because like I, I'm going to send you their thing so you can get on their email list. And if they're ever in town, hopefully they'll send you a blast about it. Oh, uh, well, Hey, I'll just do a little shameless plug for them. I also just saw that some of the founders, the mocap vaults is, um, uh, an institution that has locations in a couple of different places. They have a UK based thing. They have a US based thing, yeah. uh, mostly in LA. And then they have a Canada based thing. And two of the founders or one, the one of the founders of the mocap vaults, John Dower, he's a, an amazing director of performance capture and yes. Pascal Landis, who is an amazing actor himself and performer, they just co-wrote a book, like an acting book about mocap of breaking it down. And here's all the things you need to know about doing mocap motion capture. I think you can pre-order it. It's called performing for motion capture. Good title. I pre-ordered it. I don't think it comes out until July, but you know, that's coming. So again, it's so, it's so crazy because all this stuff has been around, but the public awareness and public interest in it is kind of just brand spanking new. And so now people are wanting to learn about it mm-hmm. and writing books about, okay, well, how do you do this? Well, here's how <laughs> that's, so. I mean, it's also kind of amazing. Cause I don't know if you remember, of course you don't. This is like my trauma, but in New York, um, no, no, no. In, of course you don't. Well, like, no, no, no. So in New York, I'm just thinking about like how as actors were told how we look, it's all about how, like often like, oh, well, when you, when I look at you, I think sexy lawyer. And when I look at you and I remember we had this big workshop with the casting director and I asked her about carrying sides in it. And I was like, okay, I've been diagnosed with this learning disability. It's normal in the UK to carry insides. Is it normal here? And in front of all of, all of us, she said, you can't learn lines and you're trying to be an actor. And she was like, Hmm. Have you ever thought about casting directing or something? And then also she just, she was just like, you're a small white girl. She was like, there's a lot. And so it's just like immediately my like first day back in the United States was just like, 
but look at you kind of like Let there's nothing on your dreams. Yeah, I know. And I was like 24 hours fresh. And I don't know if you remember, like I was a hot shit show for multiple reasons during showcase. And Is then that when we went out to go get tea and then we were all just so supremely disappointed by the quality of tea. Yeah. And then we, we all like had a shit day yes. and then we went to go get tea to feel yes. better. And then we were like, I feel shittier because this tea was so shitty. <laughs> and we were just, it was like, and then we were like near Times Square. And I was like, I don't want to be here. Don't and then, be it's, here. yeah. And it's like our dreams of going to Lambda had come true. And then it was like the fairy tale was done. Um, yeah. So, anyways, with mocap, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with how I look, but that is really interesting because. Whenever I come up to things with acting, people are like, well, you know, you look this old or you look this. And so much is put on just like my face and skin. And when it comes like our last two roles at Lambda, you were playing a general army person. And I was playing a 70 year old Southern, what I thought was like a football coach, you know, and like, that's what we were trained to do is to not think about how we looked. Yeah. And then jokes on us, all people care about. Yes. And especially in LA. Oh, wow. You can really tell that the sun has set. The sun is set. Yeah. Don't you like how I'm backlit though? Is it, is it a little bit like, A little spook. And also I like, isn't Lady D a vampire? She is. I wonder if we could tie that in somehow, like the sun's going down. But anyways, as the sun goes down, I will progressively start to slip more and more into my character voice. (laughs) It was scary. But no, I think, I think that that is part of what I found so liberating about performance capture is that it wasn't, and voiceover is that it wasn't dictated by how I looked. Mm -hmm. And also I have this deep, mature voice, but I still have a baby face. And so Mm -hmm. all the roles on, on camera that are right for me and in theater that are right for me are for women who are in their forties and fifties and sixties, and I'm not there yet. So I have to age into my casting bracket, but with voiceover, that doesn't matter. I can play those women right now. And in performance capture, that doesn't matter. I can play those characters right now, or I could play a gremlin or an ogre or a troll or whatever. I'm not limited by how I look and I, I think because you are such a character actor as well, I really, I really enjoy getting to take on new challenges. I don't just want to yeah. play the same thing over and over again. And so this gives me an, an opportunity to do that. Whereas yeah. with on camera, when I first moved out to LA, I found it so soul crushing and draining because every time it was just how narrowly can we pin you into this box? Yeah. Whereas now I'm able to do anything and everything that I want to do. I Love that. What an exciting way to look at that. And it makes complete sense as well, because Mm -hmm. it it feels like no matter what box people are put into, they don't like it. Even if it's like, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. Now you get to be beautiful ladies. And then people are like, I hate What if I don't want to play the ingenue for the rest of my life? Yeah. Or like- Whereas I will never play the ingenue because I tower over any of the men that, or, you know, people that they would put next to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it really is, I don't know. So true that like our bodies are our greatest strengths and what make us unique are our greatest strengths. But like for people who aren't in acting, there's a workshop that doesn't happen in Atlanta anymore, but everyone would take it. And there are workshops like this around everywhere where it was literally, you would pay a thousand dollars for a weekend to go for someone to tell you exactly what your type was. 
this is exactly what kind of roles you need to be going in for is like you were paying someone so much money to put you in. They're like, oh, I get um, innocence. I get, mm, which I, I mean, I don't know. Like, Here's I, the thing. Yeah. The specificity, what I have learned, here's my big TED talk soapbox takeaway is that the more specific you are, actually the wider appeal you have. So I think that's the intention around that, but where it goes awry for me is relying on other people to tell you who you are. You are the authority on you and only you and specificity around who you are and what exactly makes you specifically unique. So in this moment, for example, the specificity, the uniqueness of my height is actually what allowed me to book this role. Mm-hmm. So the more specific I got around, okay, I need to, t- I need to do roles that are going to be I don't know, five, 10 or whatever. Like the, you know, the thing that is unique about me is the thing that opened this door. And so mm-hmm. that's going to be the same thing for everyone really. But I get icky about having somebody else, a stranger tell me what that is rather than doing the work to figure it out myself and telling them, no, here's the box you can put me in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you are the authority on you. It is your business and you have to tell your agents, your managers, your casting directors. I know you think I'm over here, but actually I'm this. Give me that. I mean, that's something where I know I look young, but also I use, I mean, I can't finish the sentence, but I, I sound smart because I think of theater training, our diction is great. And so sometimes I think people are surprised when they hear from, you know, and I mean, but also, okay, here's my soapbox. Guys, actors, people who want to be actors, here's the thing. Every single teacher will, and every single actor, you know, will tell you a different reason of why you're not booking. So I could be like, well, it's because I'm too short. Or it could be like, well, because my face is like this and another actor looks like that. So blah, blah, blah. Everybody's going to have a reason on why you're not booking and they're all going to be different. And it's, oh, it's going to drive you actually crazy. There were like two years because I take everyone's advice seriously. Everybody had a different opinion on why I wasn't booking. And I was just like, wait, what do you want me to, what, what am I supposed to do? Cause everybody had, if you try to appeal to everyone, you appeal to no one. Yeah. So you just need to make a choice. You not you specifically, but you, the wider you of all of us, you need to make a choice of who do, where do I want to be? What do I want my career to look like? What are the roles that I want to do? And then how can I tailor my package to communicate that to outsiders who are looking in. So stressful because everybody has an opinion and it's so easy to allow yourself to get lost or to give yourself away to other people. As we were talking about before, it's so easy Mm -hmm. to just give little pieces of yourself away to others. Mm -hmm. And I trust everyone, you know, and eventually I've gotten to like, um, but I was pinned for something for the first time. So exciting. And I, but the thing I'm actually the most proud of is my friend, Emily was like, she's like, okay, I did the take how I wanted it. And I was like, yeah, that's the read. I got it. And then she's like, well, no, try it more like you. Like it's a little sweeter. It's a little more Beanie Feldstein. And uh, I was like, okay, you know, I can do it. And I did it Beanie Feldstein because I can, but I was like, no, I think like that kind of dry monotone girl, I think that's what this character is. And that was my immediate reaction to bring to it. And people don't think of me for someone more dry, whatever, but I sent in 
the stuff that I was going to send in. And a year ago, I would have been like, wait, Emily's been in the industry longer than me. She's been called in by this casting director. This is only my second time getting called in. But I was like, you know what? They called me in twice. They liked what I did the first time. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be this. And so I'm excited to be pinned, sure. But the real win for me is it was one of the first times I stuck to my guns of like, no, this is what I'm sending in actually. Yes, you You are the authority on you. And if you continue to put out to put yourself out there authentically as authentically yourself, mm-hmm. then the roles that are right for you are going to be the ones that come back to you as opposed to doing the game where, well, what do they want with this role? What are they, what are they looking for with this role? What can I give them? What will book me the job? If you go at it, just being like, well, this is how I see the character. So I'm going to just do it like that. Mm-hmm. And then if they like it, it'll come back. But then that means that the roles, if you're just operating and doing your best work and doing things that are authentically true to you and to yourself as an artist, then the roles that are meant for you are going to be the ones that come back Yeah, your way. Otherwise you're making no impression. You're just trying to be what you think they want, as opposed to making a concrete choice. What you did well was you made a choice. Mm-hmm. You did something with it. You stood out. And I think those are- pinned. I got, you know, that is the greatest feedback you could ever possibly get. It really is. That's regardless of what happens now, you have all of the feedback that you need. Yeah. And that was like the exciting thing is for me, it was just like, okay, this is working. Um, We never talked about Rodney, but something, one of my proudest things I took away is I really think about the Margaret thing that we did at the end of term one a lot, like so much, but in it, I did Richard the third, who is a hunchback person, you know, running around, whatever. And I decided to play him kind of like a mangled dog. Cause I was like, wait, if I do this with my leg, I think my mouth kind of hangs open. So I'm like mouth breathing. I don't know if he can completely close his mouth. And so the more I started doing it, the more physical it got, it just got, it wasn't Richard three is weird anyways, but mine became very much I just imagined like a, like a mangy dog with maybe rabies or something. And the best compliment I got the whole time is Rodney. When we were reviewing our work in it, he said, I've never seen it done that way. And very flattering because Rodney has worked at the RSC, seen a billion of them. And he's like, I didn't think it would work. And then that was, and he was like, hmm. And then just like went back to his nose. And I really like, that was, I just, I didn't, also, I didn't think I was creating something unique. I was like, of course, a dog with rabies. A mangy dog. A mangy <laughs> dog. You know, the lead of the play, he, sh- he should have rabies. But also like that's animal work. Yeah. You used an animal to inspire a really physically distinct character that then told a really distinct story. Mm-hmm. That, that really was kind of like the, I was so proud of that show. It was so that was cool. It I was, remember that being very cool. It was really cool. Okay. Well, Maggie, I'm going to let you go because the sun has gone down, but now I'm, I'm trying, trying to, to turn into a vampire. Exactly. But now I'm trying to move to LA to see you more, but not really. No, I want to stay in Atlanta. Mental health wise it is, but I will come eventually. Please come. I, I, have, I have an air mattress and a couch. And also like 
my, my bed, my snuggles. Yeah. No, I would rather, I would rather snuggle to be, I was like, Oh, okay. I'll sleep on your floor. (laughs) (laughs) I have a blanket that I'll lay out for you like a dog. (laughs) And I'll put a little bowl on the floor. (laughs) Thanks. Um, Never mind. I'm going to call someone else up. Um, (laughs) um, well, I love you so much. And um, I'm always kind of self-conscious reaching out to someone I haven't talked to in a while. Cause like, I, you know, like I didn't want it to seem insincere. So that's one of the reasons I also put together a video because I wanted to give them an opportunity to like say that they were proud, like, but it not feel weird. You, you know what I mean? You know, that was truly so, so special. I'm going to reach out to all of you and just say how special that was. Cause that was really beautiful. I did cry. Good. I did cry. I want everyone to cry at stuff I do, but I just wanted you to see that. And I wanted to give them an outlet to do that, you know, Um, because we don't often get to tell people from different points in our life that we care about them. Mm -hmm. It feels kind of cumbersome to do so, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. We're all Um, plagued by insecurity and feeling like, oh, why would they ever want to hear from me? Yeah. Random. Totally. And then they might feel weird if they're like, oh, well, I didn't reach out to Maggie before the Lady D stuff. But now that I'm reaching out, she's like, you know, that's the only reason I'm reaching out. But it's actually like, man, I'm proud of Maggie and she's so cool, you know? So, but anyways, as you can tell, Jess literally made her friends play the game. (laughs) So now, honestly, I think that is maybe the greatest commitment is not learning (laughs) to play the game. No, no. Play this. But I will sit here and make someone else play the game. And I will sit here the whole time. So um, that's what I did. Really? I, I don't know how to play video games. I don't even own a game console. I own, I own my game because but, I eventually I bought it. I was like, God damn it. I can't go on not owning a copy of my own game. And so it was on Black Friday sale. And so I was like, fine, I'll buy it. And I got like a PS5. I think I didn't even know what version to buy because I was like, I don't have a console. I don't. Uh, anyway, so I just got a PS5 version, and um, I have it. That's funny. I <laughs> didn't that, even know there were different versions. All of I can it. say, apparently, you have a different version for each console. So what works on a PS5 will not work on your Xbox. Are they different versions of the game? No, 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 no. Just oh. formatted differently to be able to play on the different things. I say as if I'm an expert, I, but I'm not. I'm love um, that I'm talking to the sexiest video game character and neither one of us <laughs> know. <laughs> we wouldn't get through level one. Um, yeah. BJ Dubs, just out of curiosity, is Lady D a big character? I like when I was watching the clips, she doesn't seem to be the number one villain, right? She no. seems to be like, there's the main villain and then maybe there, she's one of the bosses. Kind she's of? one of the bosses that you fight up until you get to the big boss battle at mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. So that all of this is yet another reason why I was not expecting my character to blow up in the way that she did. I was expecting it to be the final boss. I love that you do signings with your daughters that like you have, I like that you have little friends like to do it with. That must be nice. Yeah. And that also was another, 
all of this was just such a pleasant surprise of the cast being so wonderful because that's not it always really nice. And just having now that the game is out and being able to connect with people that I didn't even work with on the game, like people who played characters that I never interacted with and therefore never knew existed. But now post game release, I've been able to reach out and keep in touch with them. And that's mm. been really, really lovely. So yeah, it does feel like a community and a family in the cast as well, which is like a company, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Doing like all the the press and then the signings and just kind of the community. I think that like you fostered this. It is funny with like the MILF thing, because I don't know if you were a maternal figure to a lot of people, but you, I need prior to this. No, no. To me at Lambda, I needed like- yeah, like they're oh. like sometimes you like you would like buy me chips and remember the one time you wanted chicken and I you were like, do you want anything? And I was like, no. And then I just like would put my hand in the bag and I would eat your chicken and chips. I love it. Do you remember that time you wanted chicken? <laughs> you know? <laughs> she likes chicken. What can I say? <laughs> I think it's just because, like, I'm like I'm a storyteller, and I can't. <laughs> I just you are such a personality, though. That's why I think podcasting is so perfect for you because you just get to be your beautiful self, and your personality shines Thank through. You. Oh, you tell yeah. stories. You are such a good storyteller, and you just add the most. I think you're funny without intending to be funny. And that's what makes you so, so funny. You're Thanks. just saying things and they're hilarious. Thanks. Thanks. I, um, this is, I'll have to take this out. This you're going to find it funny, but it's so sad. I did like a brain scan thing recently and my brain works 20% slower than everyone else's. Like my brain works slow. And I think that's why I can't connect sentences and like kind of where my sense of humor or something comes from is like when your brain, when your brain makes thoughts, it connects things and mine just does it more slowly than everyone else. Huh? I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. My internal tempo is slower than other, other people's. It's not that like, I'm stupid. I'll still have the thought that someone else will think, but my brain, it's just kind of like, it just takes longer. Which is so funny. Speaking of internal and external tempos, like if you have a super slow internal tempo, but then externally, I find your tempo, you're often quite quick, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're jumping around and you're pivoting it seems so counterintuitive that you would be making connections slower because it feels like you're making connections really fast externally. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think it's maybe just, it's maybe I'm like jumping around as what I'm trying to say is like clicking formulating in maybe. Yeah. But I mean, it's not so fascinating. Isn't it so cool to figure out how you work? Mm -hmm. No, I think that has been like the number one thing is I haven't really changed that much, but like with doing therapy and then like learning about my brain, it's honestly just been more like, oh, that like my brain, like it makes sense why I have a harder, because I used to think, do I actually want to be an actor? Because I have a really hard time remembering these lines. And I was like, if I really wanted to be an actor, my brain would just want to know the lines, you know, but actually like 
it had nothing to do with it. My brain just like, it, it just like couldn't ab- absorb it as mm. easily. But then, I mean, I think that is the, my superpower though in acting is I'm very present. I don't get to kind of like fall back on like, I, if I get comfy and if I fall back, I have like, I'm not going to remember in like, I know people miss cues, but I have to be like staring into your eyes and having these thoughts because good grief, like I don't, the thoughts don't yeah. connect fast enough for me to not be present. Yeah. And so I know that's my superpower, but then it's also terrifying because I could dry at any second. Um, and that's like an actor's biggest nightmare is not knowing what they're about to say. And mm-hmm. I live on the verge of that at all times. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't think it makes you a better or a worse actor. Um, it has nothing to do with acting. It has only to do with memorization. Mm-hmm. And then also I've like learned new tactics to memorize. And for me, it's mostly yeah. physicalizing it. And I actually, I posted a video on my Instagram about it, of how like I come up with emotion maybe for each word. And it looks like I'm doing sign language. I just don't know sign language. And, um, and people responded and said like they tried it out and it was helpful. And yeah, it's just, it's finding how your brain works. Cause my brain usually knows the next motion I'm about to do, but I'm like, wait, why am I doing this? Yeah. Oh, and because, that's why think, you know, the things that make you the things like that, that could be interpreted as, as a challenge or, you know, a detriment to you are actually the things that are going to give you those superpowers that are going to make you so unique because mm-hmm. now what you've done is created a system that helps you. You had to work so hard to overcome this one barrier that you became an expert in it. Mm-hmm. And now you've posted this video that is helping other people mm-hmm. also yeah. overcome challenges with memorization. So all it's done really is make you an expert. Yeah, no, I, I think um, like I interviewed a photographer once and her weakness was editing. So she had to focus on editing, yeah. get the edit right. So, and like had to really focus on it. And now the reason she's hired or at least at the time is what she said is her editing skills were so good. Yeah. She was, but it was because it was her weakness that she had to obsess over. So also when it comes to knowing the text, I understand what the person is thinking so much because I had to sit on it for like an hour to learn mm-hmm. one page maybe, but I had to just stare at it for longer than other other people can recite the whole speech and don't know what they're saying yeah our weaknesses become our greatest strengths if we Mm -hmm. devote the time and attention to understanding them yeah or our strengths can become our biggest because it comes totally naturally i don't know what i don't know what i but like i'm sure there are things where i fall back on the things i already know i've kind of like oh i've got that in the bag and then i'm not trying anymore yeah. Um, for me, that was the thing with the musical ear. My ear is so musically attuned that then the thing that was a strength became mm-hmm. a weakness. And I had to kind of relearn how to approach a text and yeah. Yeah. And then that's what you ended up paying to go to grad school for was undoing what <laughs> your greatest strength had given you. Right. Um, <laughs> well, that's depressing. 
Um, but no, I do think, I do think everybody still, that skill still remains. You didn't get rid of it. Now you just have a whole bunch of other really, uh, developed skills in combination with that, that then help you create an even more nuanced and better performance. Well, like in, I was thinking like in motion capture and performance capture, what you were saying with like how like the lipstick is like was so hard, but then all of a sudden I'm sure like once you're doing a scene and you're like, oh, wow, I can just put on lipstick. I've been in on camera classes where they're like, don't use props, but I'm such a better actor when I have props and Penny wouldn't let us really use props. But if you get to touch stuff, it's so you just slip in. So once I learned how to act without touching a prop, as soon as you give me a cup, I can just like become so grounded and I'm so thankful for my cup. Like I don't take it for granted and I'm like, yes. And, and it's so much better, but it's good. Cause I had to learn how to act without touching furniture or holding props. Cause that is a huge crutch. I think as actors, you know, I always remember one of, one of the things that Robert told me was a good actor or an actor will be handed a glass of whiskey to use as a prop on stage. A bad actor will be handed a glass of whiskey to use as a prop on stage and they will immediately down the glass and then have nothing left to work with. But a good actor will take slowly take sips and really learn how to utilize the prop in the scene. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but that always stuck with me. And now every time I'm, I have a glass in a scene, I'm like, how can I savor this? Yeah savor this thing? What does this mean? How can I make this something that uh, goes through on throughout the scene as opposed to then just downing it and then having an empty cup that you're like, now I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Where do I put it? How do I get rid of it? Because I mean, I mean, I could talk about acting. I mean, we both obviously could, but like, there's like these, like, if you're just sipping, sipping, the audience doesn't notice, but if there's like the cliche thing where you're upset, you're about to storm out. What do you do? You throw the rest back and then you're like, fuck you. And you, and then you leave. It's like, there's you've made like little choices. Um, and it, you know, once you change it up, that's when you're going like, Hey, look at this. Mm -hmm. Um, or like, I'm really upset. Watch me throw back my whiskey. How does this prop continue to further develop and inform your character rather Mm -hmm. than it just be a prop? I love props. It really is my superpower. Okay. I'm going to let you go because I just worked at a coffee shop and I scrubbed toilets and I'm sweaty. Um, But I love you and I will talk soon to you. We We can even talk and not record it. Oh my God. Uh, if we don't record it, did it even happen? No. No. Did it even exist? Just kidding. No, let's do that though. Let's I absolutely would, do that. Let's do it. And what will yeah. we talk about? The world will never know. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to part one and part two. Uh, I think it's pretty apparent as I talked. (laughs) I'm pretty anxious. I knew this was going to be one of the first times people who didn't care about me at all was going to be tuning into someone that they care a ton about. So I was like, what if they think I talk too much? Why? What if they're like, I don't care about her? Stop talking. Um, 
I am proud of these uh, two parts, though. I think uh, you're getting to learn more about Maggie, hearing her talk about something she's really passionate about with someone who also knows what they're talking about. I don't know. I think it's cool. Please share it on y'all's socials. Um, if y'all run any Lady D fan groups, Maggie Robertson fan groups, um, give us five stars. Maggie would want you to. And um, I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, feel free to reach out and just say hi. I don't know. And um, if you want to follow me, it is the same as the podcast title, uh, The Search for Pink. Okay. Love you guys. Bye-bye.